Welcome, Gavin. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So um, you are the co-founder and co-CEO of, of Talk Club Charity. Is that correct? I got that right. That is, that is correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. A little bit of um, a look around at your uh, LinkedIn profile last night. And I was actually, oh, this is interesting. We might have a fantastically um, diverse chat today because you used to be a musician and songwriter and also a uh, co-founded a music label as well is that correct so i read that right yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i am um, well i'm still a musician still a musician I, oh great to hear that but uh but i i would say uh used to be a professional musician so that was you know and a recording artist uh, okay yeah fantastic and had a little bit of success with that as well i believe yeah i mean it's, it depends how you uh, define success uh, but you know, I I signed a, a you know a record deal with Atlantic Records in New York and was with Universal Publishing. I've had songs in film and TV, and um, and I've made six albums now. And you know, and so yeah, I've I, in my eyes, I feel I, I it's been a success. I look back on it and go, wow, that was pretty incredible. I did that. Wow. Um, and for me, actually, the the pinnacle of my music career was. I got to have coffee with Armit Ertegun. Um, and for those who don't know who Armit Ertegun is, he was one of the founders of Atlantic Records and signed Aretha Franklin and, and, wow. and, Led, Ze and Led Zeppelin. And uh, I got to have coffee with him in his office in New York. And amazing, wow. fascinating bloke. And uh, that was, uh, but it, it was funny at the time, I didn't know who he was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, so I was probably being a bit cool for school, going, yeah, it's just some some old bloke, at Atlantic, and yeah, I'll have coffee with him. Yeah, no worries. Okay, yeah, you know, I knew he was high up at the label, but I didn't really know who he was until afterwards. They sort of said, "Did you know who you've just had coffee with?" I'm like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much founded uh, Atlantic and you know soul and recording art, all these recording artists. So yeah, like, yeah, it's just a little uh, bit notable. Just a little bit notable. <laughs> Quite, quite important in the sort of history of music, recorded music, and mm. uh, but I'm kind of pleased I didn't know that because I think I would have been quite nervous. And because I he asked me to, to, to play him some songs, oh wow! And so I was playing him my songs, and I think if he if I'd have known who he was, I would have been quite sort of different and nervous. So <laughs> yeah, so that that was quite a cool moment, an accidental cool moment accidental cool moment yeah those are great though aren't they um so yeah other than the music stuff because we could probably talk about that for hours and probably will do anyway but um yeah i just uh, do you want to tell everybody a bit about how you got from sort of that part of your career and what brought you through that and then working in mental health training as a counselor and starting a men's mental health charity as well because i'm super fascinated by the journey i really am oh great um yeah i suppose i came out of you know, I've been doing music a long time. Um, I've been in bands since seven. I was 17 years old um, and got signed at the age of 21, 22. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I was lucky enough to have a career in doing music. And then when I uh, got married and, and had children and was like, OK, I need to do a job here that's probably a bit more secure and um, and, and I hit harder times. Um, my dad had died. Um, oh, I sound like a blues song now, don't wow. I? 
do 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 do. But yeah, it literally was like that. It was like all at the same time. Mm. Lots of bad stuff happened. I'll be honest. Mm. My album had just come out. Um, my debut record. My dad died. I was just about to turn thirty. Wow. I was getting married. Like and then and then and my dad had um had just started a, a, a music shop. He's, it was his dream to run a guitar shop. Um, he'd been a financial advisor his life and was like, I want to do something different. And I've always wanted a guitar shop. He had been running it six months when he passed away. Wow. So of course the family were like, right, can you help? Um, I was like, yeah, I've never worked in retail, but yeah, okay, I'll help. I know about guitars, and so I got involved in that. And so sort of life happened then really rather mm. than having any almost any say in what was going on i was just drifting along with it was running the music shop and i did that for a few years and then i was a bit lost to be honest i was a bit like well what shall i do now i felt like i'd been out of the music game a little bit the label um we're talking about doing another record but obviously that moment had passed mm, mm. and I, I was about to go to the states and sign a deal with this label in the states and tour america wow okay it got cancelled because of my dad passing so it screws I, with your creativity say, doesn't it something like that you know when it, when it kind of happens that yeah. really messes with your creativity I, I felt the same thing when my mum died so i know exactly where you're coming from there you know i really did absolutely yeah. and, and well like john lennon said life is something that happens while you're busy making plans hell yeah <laughs> it's exactly what happened to me i was sort of busy going right okay i'm going to do this do that mm. and then that really impacted me to be honest not me sideways as you mm. can imagine i mm. said about you um and I was grieving and I didn't know what to do and I was lost. And I so I came out of that period, I'd say two or three years later, mm-hmm. almost a bit like, well, everyone's moved on and music, it's felt like I don't know what to do with music. And so I was thinking, what shall I do with the rest of my life? <laughs> um, I went into teaching first. I, I retrained as a teacher and I, I, I was teaching at a music college. And I did that for about three or four years, and I really enjoyed that. Mm. But while doing that, I really quite enjoyed the pastoral side of teaching and, and talking to kids and helping them and supporting them. And I started volunteering with a few charities, actually. And I, I was volunteering at Off the Record. I was volunteering at um, Cruise, which is Bereavement Care. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going I'm to volunteer with a few different charities and just see what i i you know that i like doing and then from then i thought actually i quite enjoyed the charity work and i thought right i'm going to retrain as a someone mentioned it about retraining as a counselor and i thought yeah do you know what i'm going to do it so mm. i started that journey five years ago this september uh five years ago i started training uh no sorry six years ago i started training wow. um and uh, three years ago, I qualified Fantastic. as a counsellor. And while I was coming towards the end of that training, uh, the last year of my training, um, was when I met Ben Akers, um, which leads me into the talk club side of it. Um, so Ben was making a documentary called Steve about his childhood best friend who took his life. Okay, um, yeah. I got introduced to him in, our, in the playground because both our kids are at the same primary school. <laughs> and, uh, I, we Random meeting, yeah. Exactly, we, and we only got introduced really because he's an Arsenal fan and I'm an Arsenal fan, and we're both Gooners. And someone said, "Oh, you should meet my mate. He's an Arsenal fan." 
So I got introduced to him because of Arsenal. And uh, we got chatting, as you do, and I sort of said, what do you do? And he's mm. like, documentary maker. And I said, well, I'm trained to be a therapist, but actually I used to be a musician. I've got albums. And I sort of said to him then, if you need any music for your film, please feel free to use my stuff for free. You know, you can mm. have it, absolutely. Mm. And so he went, oh, okay, do you know what? I've got no music in the film. So he then, he, I think he used about 10 of my songs in the, wow. in the film. Oh, that's um, cool. And so, and so that's how our relationship started. And then after the film came out, I sort of said to him, what are you planning to do next, sort of after the film? And he said, well, I, I'm thinking about setting up some kind of talking group for men. Mm, mm. Suicide rates are so high. Um, it's 76% of suicides are male. Mm. Uh, so um, I said, well, do you know what? I'm interested in... Um, in helping with this, you know, especially as I'm trained to be a therapist, mm. I'm interested in getting involved. Let me know if you want me to sort of help. Mm. Mm. And and he said, absolutely. I'm looking for someone like you because we haven't got anyone with that sort of therapeutic knowledge to sort of help with this. So I said, great. And that was it. And that was four years ago. Wow. Um, we had that conversation. Fast forward four years later, uh, we've been a charity for two years. Yeah. Um, We've got 64 groups around the world now. Um, yeah, not just the country. I wanted to highlight that for everybody because when I read that, I went kabang. Not just the country, yeah. the world. That That's the amazing. World. That is amazing. Yeah. That's an achievement to be seriously proud of. Yeah, Thank you. amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, 64 around the world from, or from Sheffield to Singapore, um, from Sydney uh to to Sirencester you know uh, from Sydney to Sirencester I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that phrase in my life ever before <laughs> once from Sydney to Sirencester <laughs> exactly so, so it's a real it's, I feel like and, that should have been written on the back of the only fools and horses van do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and it's been and and it's just been an incredible um roller coaster that's just and me and Ben always say to because me and Ben are co-CEOs, we decided as a sort of co-founders that we both were mm. going to sort of be the the heads of the charity as such. Mm. But we both say that, you know, we're CEOs of a charity never meant to start. We never meant to start a charity. It was just we realized quickly there was a need mm. um, and we come up with something really simple. And I think the, uh, the how you were at 10 was really simple and really powerful. God, yeah, I love and, it. It's brilliant. And people were connecting with it. And so, it, to be honest, that's the really nice thing about it. Like with, like, a bit like with music, you create something and just go, well, I'll just put it out there and see what happens. And this is what happened with Talk Club. We created something, put it out there, hmm. and it had an incredible response. And, and here we are now. That's sort of my life story in... Uh, what, 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Some 10 minute life story. No, I love it. That's fantastic. I mean, what a life story as well is, is really fascinating. I'm, I'm really passionate about men's mental health myself as well, you know, being a counsellor. My journey is kind of similar to yours. Um, I lost my mum and then later on that same year, I went and did my counselling certificate and really loved it. And then I went and did an advanced diploma in counselling and I love that. And I met somebody who was then going on to teach a post-qualifying course in creative arts therapies. So I went and did that. Um, so then all in the same year, I, I got all my counselling hours, did my Viva exam, qualified from the creative course, all of that all at the same time, and then opened a practice. 
Um, right. And then lockdown happened. I shut my practice, went to Dublin for a year, came back over here, settled in Bristol, had a bit of a breakdown, put myself back together again, opened a practice again, started a podcast. So that's me <laughs> in a nutshell, really. So not too dissimilar a journey. You know, we both lost a parent and then decided to retrain as counsellors. Um, I think that's quite powerful stuff. You know, it's, it's a big driver that I don't know if you felt it as well, but I, I felt driven to want to help other people. And I always had wanted to help other people. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with that. But it was almost like the, the impetus of having that bereavement in my life drove forward the, the kind of need in me to then want to put myself forward and help other people. You know, I, I think that was like a catalyst for me in some way. Um, I don't know whether you feel that was a, a similar part of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, exactly the same, Rich. Um, yeah, my you know, my dad dying was just completely, you know, turned my world upside down. Mm. And it's, and I'm not just saying this, but you know, we were we were best mates. You mm. know, um, mm. I, I used to speak to him on the phone every day. Um, we were really close. He was an Arsenal fan too. He was a bass player in a band. It was so we were both musicians, both wow. Arsenal fans. Yeah, we both had same interests, um, and we were really close. And he was a big part of my musical journey. I mean, if it, I, I would say if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have got a record deal. You know, he was the one who would drive me to gigs, and more importantly, he was the one who kept picking me up. Because what people don't realise is when you sign a seven album deal in New York, it's incredible and it's it's euphoric, but people don't realise how much crap you've been through to get to that God, moment. Yeah. Yeah. How much how many people have said to me, You're not good enough, you're not a good enough singer, you're not a good enough songwriter and I've rejection letters, I've gone to labels and they've gone, nah. And and my dad was the one picking me up off the floor, going, mm. Look, you're amazing. I know I'm your dad, but you're amazing. And I believe in you, believe in yourself because you've got a talent and the world needs to hear it. Mm. And he kept saying that to me all the time and drilling it in. And I, so I had that self-belief. Mm. It wasn't an arrogance. It was a self-belief because I had that support, mm. that support network. Mm. It became my core beliefs of like, as you know, in therapy, it became like, yeah, do you know what? I, and so I was, I had that, and, and that support from my dad to help me find my way. So mm. when he died, I really felt like I lost a real big support uh, in my life. It was someone who was, who, who, you know, I really relied on in that sense. Mm. Um, and I went to cruise when when I was grieving. Uh, I don't know if you know cruise. Yeah, 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 very well. Fantastic yeah. charity. That's want to give them a shout out. Yeah, they're incredible. They I, do amazing work. Yeah. They really do. I went to them when my dad died. And so when I was thinking, so I, so I volunteered for them. I thought, right, I'm going to give back and go and volunteer. And I became like a bereavement counsellor um, for them for two years. I was there and that was sort of my initial um, experience of, of being a counsellor and mm. talking, listening to people. And I really, I really, I, I, I was, it was a calling um, mm. I don't think since picking up the guitar and writing a song, I'd uh, I'd ever felt, oh, this feels right. This feels like something I should be doing. Mm. I had that with music and I had that with therapy. Mm. And that was the moment I thought, actually, no, I'm like you. I'm going to go and retrain mm. and mm. do this. 
Um, this is amazing. I, I've never met you before, and our paths are so similar because I'm I come from a background of, of DJing, um, okay. which, which I got into when I was 19 accidentally, which is a whole nother story I won't go into right now. But I accidentally became a DJ, um, and then I got into music production, and then I had a couple of home studios and did a bit of um, like was never professional with it, it was only ever for love, but worked with a few bands, had something I recorded, played on BBC Introducing, which was you know kind of nice for me as a producer and recording engineer. Um, and then from, from that, I got into, um, then I lost my mum around that, that kind of time. And then I started youth mentoring for one charity. And then I worked with another charity while I was doing my counselling training. And then when I finished that, all of that, I was employed working for a young people's charity as well. So I, I kind of had a bit of similar experience to you in the charity sector and then, you know, the music life and everything else. And I love these random connections. Like, do you know what I mean? I just, I put out an email on a, on a networking group and you answered it saying, yeah, I'd love to come on your podcast. And I thought, yeah, that'd be great. You work for an amazing charity. And then I had a quick look into you and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And now I'm chatting to you and I'm like, oh, wow, our powers are really similar. That's quite fascinating, isn't it? I, lo I love the way the universe works in that way. It always makes me smile. <laughs> yeah and and well like you know i i believe in everything happens for a reason i believe in that purpose and intent you know freud mm. said I, I very much live by that mm. but um yeah it's interesting because i've met so many musicians who are now working in mental health or mm. therapy and and they've retrained it's definitely yeah. i think i think if you're a creative person i mm. think for me as a creative and someone who uh, who writes lyrics and 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 I've got this connection with my soul. I feel mm. of when I write. This was it, it's just now I do it. It's so obvious mm. because mm. It, it, it's very creative and and especially in the room and the way I work with my clients. I there's a creative process going on there. Definitely, um, same so here. It, yeah, it really I really feel connected. To that. So. Yeah, it's quite interesting when clients come in and they I don't I don't say anything obviously about my career or anything, but it's quite interesting how you draw people to you, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, who who are also creative and musicians. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, who was it who once said to me? It was one of my counselling tutors once said to me, "You don't always get the clients you want, but you get the clients you need." you know yes. and, and there's something in that relationship for both people in that counseling relationship you know there's the client comes to you with a need for something but they also come with something to give to you if you're willing to observe the relationship in that way i find that fascinating as well the way the, the way the universe works in bringing people together in that way just blows my mind it's like wow yeah it's, it's so interesting it really is yeah i mean it's my week now, especially, no two weeks are the same. Mm. Um, I, 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 so I do therapy on Mondays now. I've got a practice on a Monday and I see clients. Mm. And then Tuesday to Friday, I'm, I, I, I'm CEO of Talk Club um, and I run the charity. Um, but when I first started, when I was first qualified, I was doing two days a week, building up to three days. And then suddenly the charity were like, no, we need you. It's getting busy. Um, <laughs> and suddenly it took off. So, um, but I like that. I like the fact that no two weeks are the same. Yeah. And no, no clients are the same. No, no weeks are the same. Um, I, I love the fact I sit in my chair and I don't know what's going to happen. 
I don't know what the client... <laughs> For some people, that's terrifying, though, isn't it? You know? Oh, I mean, but that's what the training's for. But I love it. I, I love training. that. I really do. And, and, well, and I was saying to someone, one of my work colleagues is about to do his training. And I was saying about PD and... Um, and some were saying about how much they hated PD. Uh, and we've always called it personal destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those out there who don't know, <laughs> it's called personal development. And it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's like an hour to an hour and a half each week. You sit down in your training and you basically just discuss anything you want to bring to the room. Mm. And normally people bring conflict. People bring things up that mm. maybe it's sitting there for them. And it mm. could be anything from oh, a comment God. you make in the kitchen yeah. to a look you gave me the other day. And it's it's almost purposely built to have this conflict and, yeah. uh, you know, and ruptures. It's just full of ruptures all the time. So it's quite an uncomfortable feeling. But it's only now once you're qualified, you realize, that, oh, that's what that was for. Mm. Get mm. you used to sitting there with that uncertainty of I don't know what's about to happen. Oh my word, what's going to happen? Oh no. And sitting there with the uncertainty, you kind of get used to it. Mm, and mm. so by the time you get to clients... You kind of learn to so- love it, I think, that that group process stuff. You kind of learn to love it, don't you? It's, it's kind of weird. You, I really missed it when my training group ended. I was like, oh, no, I miss that now. <laughs> you know, to start with, I was like, oh no, a group, a group. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And then, you know, you kind of put yourself out there and you put yourself out there and then you learn to do it. And then I kind of learned to love it almost, you know, it's kind of strange. Mm. Well, it's every, I suppose everyone's different. I mean, everyone I've everyone I've spoke to has had a different experience. Every training group so, is completely different as well. You know? Yeah, it really depends on the group and how much the group want to get, you know, one therapist I was chatting to the other day actually about this, funnily enough, and she was saying that they didn't like the PD group they felt they didn't feel safe and mm. people were, it, they didn't like it and uh, whereas some have said like you oh I loved it it was great and I got in there and got dirty and I learned yeah loads. yeah too right too right it's really a mixed bag it's but it's quite daunting but I think it's it's really good practice for yeah. so when you come to sit in that chair and there's an uncertainty of don't know what's going to happen today Mm. Mm. kind of feel ready ready for it i mean you need to learn to be able to manage conflict in relationships with your clients right i mean sometimes you're going to have conflict come up sometimes you're going to have transference thrown your way where a client's feeling angry with you and you know you you sit there and knowing it's misplaced but it it, it still feels when it happens the first time it still feels a bit like oh this is weird you know because you know what's going on and you know it you know the anger's directed at you but it's not actually yours to own you know it's kind of a weird feeling isn't it but you learn to roll with that stuff and i think you're right you're absolutely right dealing with the unexpected i think there's something else in that for me as well about um us as creative people really need in variety all the time you know you need to mix it up all the time um i'm really happy at the moment i've, I've got a, a day job which is going to meander down as my counseling practice picks up um i've got my counseling practice and i've got a podcast so i am occupied all the time and it's all very very different stuff and i love all of that you know i love the variety in my life i get bored too easily that's my problem you know i I need that constant change like you and i need that creative flow all the time and i think new clients bringing new things helps me 
helps me with my flow you know it's it's funny in that respect isn't it that duality of of kind of working with with one person in a room is is quite bizarre and something you may be interested in is we're doing therapy groups now at talk club ah. that might be might be interested in getting involved with and we do our own in-house training and we train up therapists and we run short-term psychotherapy um groups now I'd love um, to come in and do some group stuff with creative work because I've done workshops and I've delivered all that kind of stuff before. So, yeah, I'd love to come and work with you guys and do some of that. That'd be fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it was something that evolved at Talk Club. So we started as uh, talk and listen groups, as we call them. Mm. Um, and at Talk Club, we do four rounds. So I'll just quickly tell people about that. No, but, please do, because I want you to go into Talk Club a, a bit. That was kind of half the point of this podcast. And we've kind of ended up talking about <laughs> creativity and music and stuff. So, yeah, let's let's do what we started out to do and talk about Talk Club. Talk about Talk Club. <laughs> First of all, Talk Club, you talk about Talk Club. Um, Brilliant. So, Love that. Uh, we do four rounds. We do How You Out of 10. Mm. 10 being the best day of your life, one being um, you're struggling. Um, and you and you say you know explain why you're that number as much or as little as you want to explain that number, and then the second round is what are you we call it the grateful rounds. What are you grateful for in your life? What are the positives in your life? Mm. Name three things maybe that you're grateful for, and you'd be surprised how many people say, "Oh, I've not thought of that before. I hadn't thought about what I'm grateful for." So it's a really nice thing to do to stop yeah. and just think things you're grateful for. And then round three is we use the language mental fitness. So what are you doing this week for your mental fitness? And we say with a focus on the core three pillars of your well-being, which is diet, sleep and exercise. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing this week regarding your diet, sleep and exercise? And that helps your mental fitness alongside your mental fitness. And then round four is how are you out of 10 now? What's your number now as we check out? Mm -hmm. And uh, and we sit in group, a a circle um and uh it's it lasts up to two hours and you have a talking ball so nobody's talking over you it's very it's very structured we purposely designed it so there was none of this one thing i found early on when i was starting the groups was men were talking over each other Mm, mm. and and also that it felt like there was a lot of judgment going on Mm, mm. and a lot of criticism and a lot of you know, I'm going to help. Um, and we, we, we kind of thought, well, actually, do we need that? We need a place where people can feel safe, especially if you're an introvert. You've got a place you can come and you can talk without interruption. And actually, it was one of the, this guy who came early on, and it was the moment for me that the light bulb went and it changed. As he said, I love this. He said, I'm not heard in my job. I'm not heard at home with my partner. God, I come man. here heard and i just thought wow okay yeah this is special it is really special we need to make sure we 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 that men feel that they've got to come here and talk because i think one of the early talk clubs someone said something about they're on antidepressants and then someone else went oh you don't want them they don't work and it and, and that's when i thought no actually this isn't going to work we've got people sort of talking over each other and sweeping statements you know and mm. so he said you know what why don't we just have a talking ball and you talk and you pass the ball on and there's no cross conversation it's just you sharing what's going on mm. um yeah. 
because we talk over each other all the time in pubs and it's hard not friends. to right <laughs> so we you know we 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 listen to respond mm. rather than listen to understand yes fast-paced society what, encourages that as well doesn't it you know and social absolutely. media and all that it, it, that's a real encouragement into into not not listening properly and people yeah. not being heard properly even by family and parents i think you made that really important point then that guy didn't feel like he was heard anywhere you know yeah wow so we so we we are almost teaching men to listen yeah uh, you know we're going look listen to understand your fellow man rather than and so there's no the only way we respond to each other in the room is we thank each other for sharing so once you finish saying your piece people will say thanks for sharing that's it that's mm. the only time you will respond and it's it's something really is powerful it's a powerful thing to listen to each other and and, and as we know if you listen intently to someone it raises oxytocin in your body yeah. which is we know is the love drug yeah. so you're basically giving yourself a virtual hug every time you listen to someone mm. share their story mm. and so there's so much from this you know going into sort of the deeper side of it um we, we're teaching men to live and someone actually said that they said they sent us an email i can't i don't know who it was but they said something like thank you my husband is a, such a better listener since coming to talk club <laughs> so i thought well there you go we're saving marriages as well at talk club amazing yeah. so it's really important so that's the talk and listen groups mm. is literally talk and listen to each other then uh, after lockdown um we could exercise with up to six people mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i just put it out there on our whatsapp group i'm going to go for runs there's five other people want to go for a run and we'll start a talk and run and we'll do a how are you out of 10 check-in go for the run come out come back and do a how are you out of 10 check out and that was how talk and run was launched mm. and so now we call that talk and exercise okay and we've now got talk and skate talk and run talk and rugby talk and football uh talk and ping pong is launching talk and book club you nice. name it nice a talk and walk. Yeah. we're just trying to get any way we can get men to open up and just understand where they are where they're at with their number and then from that the natural progression from the talk and exercise was um therapy groups yes and the reason we started that as a therapist myself and i've got a waiting list of uh, i think i've got six to seven people on my waiting list at the moment mm. um i've got so many people who need counseling uh, and i know that everyone i know is pretty chocker mm. um so i thought well if we could see six men at a time then we're going to help with that and it, and no okay i understand for some it's not as good as one-to-one -one, but it's something yeah. and and it's proven to really work um and and the men are really responding to the groups i think if nothing and else it's a brilliant gateway you know it, it's absolutely. you know it, it's because you can do an awful lot of psycho psychoeducation stuff in groups with men and then you know if they feel like they want something deeper than that for a lot of people that's enough a lot of people just need that understanding and processes and then they can apply it to themselves. For other people that are holding trauma or have other, you know, complications going on, you know, maybe they need a diagnosis or there's something else in their history that's bothering them. 
maybe they need to go a bit deeper than that. But that's a good gateway to them because then they come into us as counsellors, having done the psychoeducation part, ready to work. You know, I had this conversation with um, Caroline Lee Smith the other week. Uh, she was saying that the same thing. She's an embodiment therapist. And she was saying the same thing. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to do those first four, six, eight sessions with somebody just doing the psychoeducation stuff, teaching them process? Uh, wouldn't it be great if they could just come into us already having done that and we can just work? Because she was saying, like, if therapy would be so much more efficient in that way. And I completely agree with her. It really would be so much more efficient for everybody. So, yeah, I love that you guys are doing that. That's brilliant stuff. Well, I think one thing in about this, this country, there's not a continuity of care. Yeah. And we, so we want to create a continuity. And so um, our, our theory is once you're in talk club, you're in talk club for life. Mm. If you're a man and you're with us, you go to... So uh, like everything we do at talk club, we simplify everything. Mm. So if your numbers are between five and 10 mm -hmm. and, and you feel they're regularly between five and 10, you're coping, then keep going to the talk, talk, talk and listen groups or talk and exercise mm. and maintain your mental fitness and keep your numbers up mm. high. Mm. If your numbers drop below five and you feel you're struggling and you need to process more, come to the therapy group mm. and we run it exactly the same. The first question we ask you in the therapy group is, how are you out of 10? Mm. So everyone checks in with their number. Obviously, they can go a bit deeper. And they obviously can go, well, I'm a four. I'm really struggling. Me and my partner or work or whatever they want to bring, mm. they can bring it and go deeper with, with a trained therapist in the room. And there's that continuity. They're used to the how are you out of 10. Mm. They're used to talking in groups. Mm. And so they, once they come to us, the therapy, mm. people have fed back oh yeah actually it feels quite comfortable because i'm used to talking like you were saying mm. they've almost been trained in okay yeah. this is okay i can mm. come in here talk more openly um be more self-aware of what's going on mm. and the groups have been a huge success um we we're about to launch three new groups in bristol in september oh wow that's uh, awesome so that's so we've got three therapy groups launching in september we are expanding this around the UK um, in 2024. Mm. Uh, and we're also going to expand to offer one-to-one -one mm -hmm. counselling soon, um, which is obviously the next step for the charity. Um, but we want to launch the therapy groups around the UK because we just feel that this is a really good way of... Um, and it's and it's cheap. You know, we only, we only ask for a a donation um to the charity to come to the therapy groups um so it's a really like you said a really good way of of educating men getting mm. used to therapy and then by the time they go to one-to-one -to -one, mm. they they will be used to that language and used to that openness mm. and, and be more on their edge of awareness absolutely no i'm loving this mate this sounds absolutely amazing because like uh, you're pulling on several different things that other people are doing and bringing it all together and then adding therapy into the mix which is great you know because i've had um i've had conversations with dan rowe from andy's man club um i've had conversations with uh, rob from dudes and dogs um i don't know if you know those two charities at all but yeah. andy's man club do the similar thing with the talking groups of the ball um rob from dudes and dogs does dog walks with men and he's more like um therapeutic mentoring kind of thing and then he will signpost on to other th therapy charities if he needs to um 
but I love that you guys are doing the whole lot, the whole kit and caboodle shebang, and then putting therapy on at the end if it's needed. I think it's fantastic, and it's what's needed for men's mental health. It really is. Yeah, and I'm more than happy to come and, and give some of my time to, to do therapy groups and to run therapy groups with you guys. I think it would be amazing. And, you know, hopefully I can bring a bit of a sense of creative therapy into the into the mix as well. And, you know, we can we can start offering things to guys and, you know, that aren't really available anywhere else. I think that's what I want to say. That's so really amazing about what you're doing is this stuff isn't available anywhere else. You can't get this on the NHS. You can't go to your doctor and go, I'm feeling a bit down. And he goes, oh, well, we run a, you know, there's a. There's an NHS talk club that you can go to. There's none of that. You know, you get nothing. And the thing that really pissed me off about lockdown was that everybody in the country was suffering with anxiety or depression or isolation or loneliness or, you know, everybody's mental health was affected in some way or another. Seemingly not maybe some of the people in charge of the country, but that's another story. There was nothing done to help people with mental health. There was no you know we're sorry we've had to lock you down because of the virus but we know everybody's going to suffer from anxiety here's some stuff on how to manage your anxiety nada nothing that actually was one of the things that made me angry during that actually affected my mental health in lockdown because i was angry about it you know it was um yeah i I think the more that people like you and you know other charities around the area are doing things and nationally and globally now are doing things to help men's mental health the better because the flag needs to be flown the shouts need to be louder we need more funding coming in you know i'm not sure how you guys are funded but um, i know Anders man club uh, they don't take any funding from any pots they're all self-funded completely i know rob from dudes and dogs we had a bit of a conversation about you know he, he's funded through pots but it's getting more and more difficult to get them um you know as we go into recession i think it's we're going to find more and more people needing help so you know fantastic that you're here doing this mate i really applaud what you're doing it's amazing it really is well regarding funding um there's two things we don't we're quite entrepreneurial at talk club me and ben who um who run it who head it up um we wanted to be uh self-sufficient and we wanted to find ways of us um of of making the charity self-sustainable and and give it a long-term future Mm. so we've got our own beer our own alcohol-free beer so we've got i saw that yeah fantastic yeah so we went, and that was our idea. We went to Bristol Beer Factory and said, "Look, we've got an amazing name for an alcohol-free beer called Clearhead. Mm. Uh, do you want to make it? You mm. know, you can have the name. Give us five percent of the income, and you can have." So we did a deal with them, cool. and now, you know, forevermore, the charity will be getting five percent of every can sold um, for the charity. We've also now got a coffee. Went to Wogan Coffee. It's called Talk Club Ten, um, and we've now got our own coffee, and we get we get a percentage of every bag of coffee sold. Mate, I'm and a coffee do, snob, so I'll be trying that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to I have to have ground or grind my own, or you know, it has to be fresh coffee every morning, or I cry. Yeah, I, grind, I, grind, I do. Yeah, I grind in beans as well. It's, it's called Talk Club Ten. Try it. It's very. I will nice. do, mate. I will do. Yeah, um, and. Um, so we've got coffee uh, and we're talking to other people at the moment about different partnerships. And then the other big thing that we do now is we set up a thing called business support. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. now are one of the mental health providers um, for, uh, I can't say actually, because we're not launching it till September. So I can't even tell you yeah. on this podcast, but um, we're, we're in with a lot of businesses, put it that way. And, okay. and, and 
and corporates. Mm. We're doing mm. a lot of corporate support, mental health support, mm. um, and that's now become a big thing for us. They've uh, they've come to us going, help, we don't know what to do. And we've gone, okay, well, like we do at Talk Club, let's find new ways of, of helping you and supporting you. Mm. And like you said, oh, um, you seem to, we seem to be a mix of lots of different charities. And, mm. and mm. that's exactly it. We've gone, mm. what's everyone else doing? And not to say, how can we make do it better? That, that sounds it's more arrogant, about how can you bring it together, mate, I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And how can we bring all those things together? Like you said, like Andy's Man Club, yeah, yeah. fantastic charity, but they've got men going there. And if they need more, more support, i.e. counselling or therapy, where do they go? Because it isn't out there. And it mm. certainly isn't free. No. There's a huge weight. So we thought, okay, let's let's do therapy groups. So those people who can't afford it, for example, mm. they've got some, they can go. And, and actually I've had conversations around his man club and we met up recently and I said to them, look, if you want to signpost any, any of your regulars to our therapy group, they're more than welcome to come along. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. That's what we need is more inclusivity and more people working together. And, you know, some of the flavors I picked up from people when I've reached out have been, no, I'm very happy doing my own thing. You know, I'm very happy doing my own thing and people don't want to work together. And my sense in all of this was, um, I wanted to kind of do something to bring people together and to, to make something more inclusive. And then I found Talk Club and I was like, you're already doing it. That's brilliant. I'm going to come and talk to you and find out what you're doing and have a chat about it because, you know, you're, you're already doing something that I was thinking would be a brilliant idea in the area and trying to bring everybody together and trying to make bring everything under one roof, which is important because as long as things are dotted around in, in separate pockets with different charities and different organisations, it's really hard for people to access. You know, you want something under one roof that's streamlined, that people can see as one thing that, you know, houses everything under one umbrella. That's what you want. And and hopefully you will get other charities and people pulling in, you know, and, and signposting some of their guys to you and some of your guys to what they're doing as well. You know, what I loved about what Rob was doing was bringing in a sense of nature, you know, and, and bringing in a sense of being outdoors and, and soaking up some of this beautiful landscape we've got around us um you know what i loved the same thing with, with mental health makes bristol they do walk and talks and you know that's a very similar thing and i love that i love the passing the ball thing and the idea of men sitting around in a circle from andy's man club you know all that stuff is brilliant and to have all of that under one roof plus so much more you know if you're a young lad and you're into skating or football or cycling or whatever there's a talk group for it doing something i think that's amazing it, it's accessible to everybody which is really what's needed because you know what early intervention is so important the the young the, the younger we catch problems in men the less they develop as they get older and i think that's really something that needs more doing for it actually mental health in general but particularly with men yeah i'm I mean, I, and I would say we are a charity that plays nice. Mm. Um, I, I'm always, I'm always reaching out to other charities and saying, "Look, mm. do you want to get involved?" Um, there's one um, a guy called Dean who set up a charity called Walk and Talk 999, mm. and just cater for the 999. Um, you know, cool. uh, and and we do stuff with him, and and Talk Club is part of what they do, and they use the How Are You Out of Ten, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, let's team up and help. Um, because, you know, the more we, we connect with each other and help, the, the bigger and more support we can we can offer. Mm. Um, we just launched Talk Youth. Mm. So we are going to help um, Ben, Ben, who made the Stevie film. It's just made a film called Our Kids, Our Lives. 
um, which, yes, I've done the music for that film as well. Fantastic. Um, so ben got to work together again on that. Um, and that film only came out last week. And that is about mental health and kids mm. and actually helping parents to help kids to talk. Yeah. And that's going to be our sort of one of the messages. Um, we're not starting another charity. <laughs> you uh, potentially uh, could adjust that subject. I know. <laughs> I said to Ben, what have we started? Oh, no. Um, but we're, it's going to be sort of alongside and, a, you know, talk club. I mean, eventually, the reason we called it talk club is because we want it to be for men, women and children. Mm. That is our goal. Mm. Um, mm. You know, we want our service to be for everyone eventually mm. we're focusing on men because the suicide rates are so yeah. high in yeah. men. shockingly high so many people don't know that when i tell them the statistics they're like what yeah you yeah. don't realize because it's not publicized it really yeah. isn't you know when something yeah. comes up on on my feeds for you know mental health charities or whatever i'm always like sharing it because i think more people need to understand the stats that they're not publicized enough People are really suffering, really suffering. I mean, I think it's every 90 minutes now. I think it was every two hours, and then I read it was every 90 minutes. It, I mean, people don't really know, to be honest, the truth of the stats because they are varying. But it's not, It's in, in, in 15 years, it's not got better. It, it slightly dipped in lockdown, obviously, because we're in lockdown. Mm. But the numbers are coming up again. I think September, the new numbers come out Something and right, I think yeah. quite shocking. Um, and we've still got work to be, to do. We've still got to get those numbers down because it's still 6,000 men a year are taking their life. Yeah. 6,000 men. And someone made it, said a really good analogy the other day. They said, um, if a plane crashes, the 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 if is it ifa or i can't remember what it's called but you know the flying um I can't what's called but they would spend so much money on making sure that plane never crashes again safety checks safe all this make sure we do that so much and they said can you imagine the suicide rates are like the equivalent of six something like 16 a380s crashing every year yeah if we had 16 A380s yeah. crashing every year, what would happen? Yeah. We would go, this cannot happen. We've got to do something about this. Right, training, money, come on, we're going to do it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, when I heard that analogy, I thought, you're so right. Yeah. There's a lot of people dying. If you They're look at it in terms of something life. that you could imagine, like um, you put... 6,000 people, two in a car, that's 3,000 cars. You throw that down a three-lane motorway and see how many, how many miles the tailback is, and that's how many people are dying a year, how many men are taking their lives every year. You know, yeah. and that, that, that's a guesstimate figure. I've always, I always think of these figures as guesstimate figures. They're probably not accurate, but even so, it's still shocking. And even more know? shocking than that, and, and, and this is men and women, and it's because and, obviously that's people dying we're not even talking about people who attempt to no. take their life no. the stat i read the other day is that every five minutes just in the uk somebody tries to take their own life mm. every five minutes mm. Mm. so there is a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of support and it starts with getting yourself along to a talking group and it's 
working on your mental fitness, using the how you out of 10. If your numbers are dipping, then get yourself help, get to a GP, do what you can. But it actually, do you know what? It starts with us. Because mm. the thing most likely to kill me statistically is myself. <laughs> yeah, it's, big... it's ridiculous, isn't it? When you, when you say those words, that sounds so daft. So daft, but the stats say that. You know? Absolutely. And it's, so if it starts with me, then it's up to me. And I think that's part of it now is taking responsibility, as we talk about in therapy with my clients, taking responsibility of the self, making those choices, authenticity, all those things that we sort of hit home. And it's true. We've got to take responsibility for the self. And that starts with how are you looking after yourself on a weekly basis, and starting with the diet, sleep and exercise. Mm. But if your numbers are dipping, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to a talk club, we say talk club is like a gym for the brain. I love gym. that. And I love the mental fitness thing as well. I think that's so, so brilliant to highlight that point. Yeah, absolutely. It's about the, you know, we, we focus on physical fitness, but we don't wait till we have a heart attack before we go to the gym. No. So it's the same as our mental fitness. We're actually not doing enough to keep mentally fit. It, so this is why Talk Club was invented is because that reason of going, we, we're very much a preventative charity. We are all about prevention. Mm. We are about going, look, come to talk. I hear blokes all the time. I say to friends, come to Talk Club. They go, no, I'm all right at the moment. <laughs> I go, that's, that's the point. That's when you need to go to a Talk Club because you're all right. Because it, so they think if they're an eight, they don't need to go. And I'm going, no, if you're a seven or eight, go to a talk club and you'll stay a seven or eight. Mm, mm. So rather than wait, oh, I'll wait actually until I'm a four. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, no. You, you don't wait until your muscles are wasting away before you go to the gym, do you? You know, you go to the gym when you're like, oh, no, I'm think, I feel Absolutely. like I'm suffering a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is, but this is the men, it's this and this is what we're finding in the in businesses and corporates when we're going to them. Mm. It's a broken fix it mentality. Mm. It's a mindset, still, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mindset. It's like, no, I won't say anything. And I and I'm guilty of it regarding my physical health. I go, I'll wait until I'm really ill before I go to the doctor. Whereas my wife would go, No, you go now. You're not feeling great. Go now. <laughs> it's like an echo of my own life. <laughs> exactly. And it's, <laughs> And it's the same with mental fitness. It's mental health. Mm. It's, no, I'll wait until I'm really, really depressed, really Mm. low, on the floor, don't want to get out of bed, Mm. then I'll get help. Mm. And we're going, do you know what? Let's think about prevention. Let's think about how can we stay mentally fit so we don't get to that point. Mm. And that's what it's all about for us. It's about prevention yeah that's fantastic because that's that's where the work needs to be done you know it, it's prevention it's, it's highlighting we're a, you know, yeah. we're a positive charity yeah we think we, you know we're quite a really positive you know right okay and everything we do is is been done out of a reaction mm. so you know we've set up talking groups because we're like people are going i need to talk right we'd set up talking groups um and then people have gone i don't like talking groups okay i'll set up a running group <laughs> oh, uh, actually i don't like running okay i'll set up a therapy group you know it's like we that's why we've done it it's kind of feeding the supply and demand though isn't it you know it's, it's kind of it's kind of answering what people want which is perfect Absolutely. perfect yeah 
and that's why we set up talking skate because some 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 a guy came to us called james and said i love skating can we make this work around skating i was like yeah mm. absolutely mm. we just do a how are you out of 10 check-in you skate mm. for 45 minutes and then you do a check out at the end and they do it every two weeks and it's working brilliantly and he said we've got people coming who are checking in with their numbers and he said it's incredible you know and so we're finding any way we can get people whether it's walking outside mm. or running, any way we can the key is is the how you add 10 and i think to be honest with you i think that's the power what sets us apart from you know other i agree charity. i agree because i think the trouble is with if you set up a talking group or a walking walk you don't really know how that those people are doing you don't know actually have, have i made an impact are they leaving this group better yeah. than when they came in yeah they can say yeah but it, but how do we measure that and that's why we we set up that's why we come up with how you out of 10 because we felt like no we need to know if we're having an impact yeah. we need to know that if a man walks into a talking group we, we need to know what number he is when he comes in yeah. and when he leaves mm. because if if his number is lower then we need to support them and make sure they've got the right support in place for them. Mm. It's a safeguard thing as well. It's a duty of care. Mm. And I think that's really important. That's so important. So important. As we know, as therapists, mm. Mm. Uh, you need to make sure that, that they're leaving you in a safe place. And you and, want to make sure you it, catch anybody who's coming in who is like at any sense of immediate risk as well. You know, you, you, you kind of want absolutely. to catch them and, and catch them early. Um, because that's when you lose people, isn't it? You know, um, absolutely. And yeah. to, to be honest, I, I, I think only, I think only in the talk of football have I heard people's numbers drop down. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, is a disagreement with somebody about whose team was better. <laughs> you, know, or you know, or they've, or they've missed a chance on goal, or let a goal in, or and they, oh yeah, I came in as I came in a seven, I'm living a six because I I missed an open goal. You know, that's the only time I've heard numbers. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. In the groups, they always, and I would say ninety nine point ninety nine percent the numbers always go up or stay the same. Mm. They never drop down. Mm. Um, That's brilliant. Only once I've heard someone go, actually, I've realised I checked in too high. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I checked in, checked in too high. <laughs> I checked in a nine. I realised I probably wasn't a nine. I'm actually an eight. And I've checked in at a nine. So, mm. you know, that's the only time I've heard someone say my numbers have gone down because I checked in too high. But yeah, I but... think the good thing about it is when everyone comes, they do check in quite high. And then as they get used to coming to the group and they, you know, they feel safe and secure, mm. they start to check in with real numbers. Mm. But it's something your listeners can do all the, with yourself every day. I do it. I mean, I wake up every morning and go, right, how am I out of 10? Mm. And think, okay, my numbers are lower today. What can I do for me to help me get my numbers up? Mm. Mm. Or you know, what can I do to help myself? Mm. It's mm. A, my I, I do my my son, my youngest son is nine. I check him with him how how you out of ten mm. um, every day. It's really powerful. Um, I mean, how many people don't get asked that ever? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like um, 
you know, I do the mental health street interviews as well as these podcasts as well. Yeah, um, I saw that. It was really interesting. And I had, um, I had Mindset by Dave come down with me. Dave Cottrell came down a couple of weeks ago and we went out and asked some questions. And he was asking people off the bat first question, how's your mental health today? Which is something I'd always kind of shied away from because I'm like, I think most people are just going to go, yeah, I'm okay, even if I'm not. But actually, there was quite a few people who kind of went, yeah, do you know what? Today I'm struggling a bit or, yeah, average. And we got some honest answers out of it. And I was thinking, this is brilliant. People are more open than I figured they would be, you know. It's really fascinating. And I, I think the more people get asked these kind of simple questions, the more it raises the profile of mental health and it normalizes that it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's all right to have a day where you're not feeling great, but just be aware of what you can do to turn that into a better day. You know, like like for me, it's good food or or a bit of exercise or, you know, I might go for a walk or I might, you know, go play golf or do something I really enjoy. Because if I spot that downward spiral starting to happen, I can turn that energy around with an upward spiral by doing something I love. And I I love that kind of vortex idea I get in my head when I think about that, because um, like a, a downward spiral starts from a single point and then moves outwards, but so does an upward spiral. And if you can catch it in time before the downward spiral gets too big, if you're doing the upward movement in time, you cancel it out and you you move through. And that's kind of how I look at how I view my own um, mental health moving through a bad day. If I wake up and I'm having a bad day, I, I've got the power to change that if I, if I choose to look at it in that way. And I think getting that across to people is, is so needed, you know. You, you hold the power in yourself to be able to change how you're feeling and how you're viewing the world. So that's a, a point that's so often missed, I believe. I see. I do see that hashtag a lot. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I see that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a bit of a hashtag thing. But I would go one step further than that and go, it is okay to not be okay, but understand why also. Yeah. Because, and I'm, that's what I'm saying with the how are you out of 10. If you're using how are you out of 10 every day, it's not about the language. I think the language okay is, is quite vague because okay for one may not be okay for another, for example. Because True. We, yeah. we say one man's four is another man's eight mm. because what's okay to you? What's okay to me? Okay to me could be a seven, but okay to you could be a three. Mm-hmm. So It's very subjective, actually, isn't it? It's very subjective, that word. Mm. So I... I for me, I find it a bit vague and subject, and, I, and I, it feels like it needs a bit more weight. Mm. Yeah, it's okay to, mm. well, um, you know, be okay, but why are you okay? Yeah. Why? What's going on for you? What's the number? So, are you are you okay? Are you a, are you a five today because what you've had bad poor sleep or exercise or diet or things aren't going right at work? Mm. It's almost like understand. Yes, it's okay to just be okay. We should never feel like we should be something more than we are. Mm. But also, I think about education, like you said, and understanding why we are feeling okay, whatever mm. okay is. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But maybe you should go on the streets and do that. Ask how you're out of ten. I will do. I will do. Actually, mate, do you want to come and do some street interviews with me? I think that would be really fun. I, I love going out with other people and doing them. I think it'd be a great laugh if you're up for it. 
Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can we can go out and do that and um, and do some street interviews together and ask people how they are at ten. I, I mean, it's something I've used with clients a lot in the past, um, particularly working in other organisations. You know, you, you get the score mark in the core core sheets and you know all the other ones as well that you different ones you do that I can't spring to mind because I haven't used them for years. Um, it's not something I do in my own private therapy, but um, I think the the how are you out of ten is a really powerful one that I'm going to adopt into that because I think it. Number one is a question people don't get asked. Number two, it really gives you an opportunity to think about where you are and you've got a scale to be able to apply that to, which is also super important. So I'm going to steal that off you, if you don't mind, and apply that to my clients because I think it's fantastic. Well, I, like you said, we, um, how you out of 10 has been around for donkey's years. Doctors use it mm. with, with children all the time with measuring pain. Mm. We just thought, actually, we need something to measure mental health. Mm. Um we have trademarked how you out of 10. So it is trademarked Good. Um, regarding the use of it. You're not going to sue me if I use it, no? <laughs> no, 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 no Thank you. I've got that recorded, by the way. How you out of 10 and our logo and everything is trademarked mm. as, as, as a logo and as a use of the actual visualization of it. But you know the 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 use of it as in day to day with people it's absolutely i mean mm. i would love dudes and dogs and and his man club to start using it mm. uh, you know mm. i'd be I would, I would say look use it because mm. you really can measure how your men who are coming into your talking groups you really know where they're at and what's going on because they may they can tell you that oh yeah i'm, I'm not great what does not great mean mm. is that mm. a two Mm. is that a one is mm. that five is that okay you know is it, yeah so exactly I, I, your, your five is my seven and vice versa and all the rest of it is it, yeah it gets confusing out there, mm. use it you know well and i would have i would encourage um anyone who's got a talking group or a walking group to to, to introduce to how you are yeah. 10 it it's really simplifies it does. It's um, clean, simple thinking, isn't it? You know what I mean? We, we, we talk about simple language all the time as counsellors and using simple language and, and not complicating things in the room with the client. That's a big part of our training. But actually, simplified thinking, I think, is, is important. And I think that's what that number scale does for people is it's simplified thinking. It's making you think, but it's not making you overthink. It's giving you enough option to be able to describe how you are in that moment. That's very powerful, Absolutely. isn't it? Really powerful. I love it. I love Everyone it. does it. Whenever I ask someone, they always look to the sky, and and mm. and it's exactly that rich. It's mm. people are are in the here and now, and they're pausing and going, and it's amazing how many people go, oh, yeah, how am I feeling? And like, wow, you like, you have no idea. You've not checked in with yourself. Mm. You're functioning. And it's true. I read that like 5%, only 5% of the time, we're really aware of what's going on. And so we're always in the past or we're always in the future. We're always going, oh, God, I forgot to put the bins out. Or, oh, God, later on, I've got to, I've got to put, get some milk for this. We're never really in the here and now going, what's going on in this very moment? How do I feel? Mm. And I, the how you out of 10 is a really powerful, simple way of getting us to stop, breathe, mm. and really understand how we are feeling. It's kind of a, when you when you think about it in that way, the, the kind of stop, breathe, take a moment for yourself, kind of settle into the, the space of here and now is actually a very grounding exercise in itself. Um, I'm a big proponent of quick 
grounding exercises to use and I teach them to clients all the time because I think having the ability to ground yourself without going off and doing a 10 minute mindfulness meditation or something is is really powerful you know um, I'm not doing mindfulness down by any way I use it every day but I think um, having these little quick go-to techniques that you can use to ground yourself is really good and that's just struck me in in the moment chatting then that that is that is a really good one for that that, that how are you out of 10 is actually a quick bang you're, you're grounded you're in the moment you're, you're here and now straight away it has that effect on you love that great <laughs> yeah brilliant Fantastic. stuff yeah man so i want to ask you a little bit more about um creativity and and you mentioned earlier on about how you you kind of bring creativity into the counseling room and and i'm obviously that's had a massive effect on what you've brought to the the table of talk club as well um so yeah i think as a creative therapist myself creativity is something i always i'm always drawn to in other people um so so what kind of sense do you get of of using that in the room with people What, what what would you use sort of creative techniques or is it more about an approach to you yeah, I I'm a really big fan of Irvin Yalom. Mm. Uh, I love him. Me he's too. sort of my, he's sort of my hero, and and one of my favourite books is The Gift of Therapy, and on the back of that book, he says, "Make the therapy for the client," and that's basically become my mantra. Before a client walks in the room. I always say to myself, make the therapy for the client. So even though I trained in certain modalities, I am integrative, but I'm I, I, and I absorb everything and anything. And I'm always training and learning new things. And you could say techniques or theory or mm. whatever. But I, 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 I go with my gut instinct. I'm with a client. And I will use whatever I feel. I've used CBT. I've used Gestalt. I've done the chair technique. I've done responsibility pies. I've I've got shells out and gone, right, thrown a box of shells on the floor and gone, right, let's pick a shell that really gets close to what that feeling is inside of you. You're feeling really, what is that? Can you, they can't describe it verbally, what's going on for them. So, okay, let's get a shell and find something that is close to how you're feeling inside and mm. things like that. You know, those, the, anything, anything that can help the client connect with what's going on for them inside. And I just help guide that. Um, and, and, and I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm open. That's what I would say. I'm open for whatever uh, the client brings Mm. whatever's going on and and what i really like about yalom is he is all about the relationship mm. he's all about what's going on with us what's going on with us what what's happening here mm. and i don't focus on that solely as much as yalom and he's very much about death anxiety and existentialism mm-hmm. but i do i i, I do bring I, I am aware of what's happening with the client and me and how are we relating and how's that reflecting on our work and mm. um so yeah I, so that's the creative part of me of um you know uh, i'm i'm really open to trying new things and seeing what evolves and 
um, and and any way I can help clients. Mm. Yeah, me too. Me too. It sounds like you use creativity very much the same as me. It, it, it's an approach, you know. Um, for some people, it's about working in a particular modality of creativity, but I think for me, it's about whatever the client wants to do, very similar to you. And, and being in that here and now with them and, and not being afraid to take chances with the client as well, you know, doing what comes to you inspirationally in the room is, has been a big lesson for me in therapy, you know, L learning to be free, I guess, is another way of looking at, that, you know, it's fantastic. It's fantastic that you, you work in that way. Uh, I think when, when clients are met in, in that way, in the creativity room, I'm quite often, sorry, in the therapy room met with creativity, I'm quite often surprised by their reaction to it because a lot of people haven't been offered the chance to play since they were children and coming in to do some form of creative therapy whether it be sand tray or art therapy or we're working with I've had clients who've written plays and we've come in and performed them and they've been all about their traumatic past and it's been incredible stuff you know really rich and diverse but quite often they haven't had a chance to play or do anything since they were children and being suddenly or being offered the chance to, what, do you want to get the charcoal out or here's a bit of plasticine to play with, make whatever you want or, you know, here's some paint, just make some marks on the paper, it doesn't matter. When they're offered that, it's almost like a rabbit in the headlights of, oh my God. And then they get into it and relax into it and then it becomes a, this thing that works beautifully. It's, it's wild stuff. I, I, I'm really glad that I took a dive into doing that. And really pleased to hear that you work in a very similar way to that as well, because I think the approach is everything, definitely. Yeah, it was a part of my training. Um, it, on our on our training, they they would bring that creative side to us. You know, right? Let's get some pens out and let's draw. You know, how how you're feeling, or right? Everyone's going to draw a tree, and what would that tree look like? Is mm. it bare leaves or? You know, lots of different creative things like that and stories and poems and mm. uh, lyrics. And, yeah, so um, training-wise, that was very much part of our training. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I and, and very much in the, in the bereavement side, the shell stuff came from that. Mm. We used a lot of shell work in bereavement. It really helped because you only have six sessions. Yeah. So you kind of got to do quite a bit of work in six sessions. And so the shell stuff really helped people to identify quickly, I would say, mm. with what's really going on mm. of where they're at. And of course, they're so overwhelmed with grief because grief is overwhelming and fear and the fear is there and the it's uncontrollable isn't it i think you, you know you, you're overwhelmed by it and then you can't pull yourself back out you know yeah. I, I think i've i felt depression before in my life but then I, I had this this overwhelming depression that happened after i lost my mum that i found so difficult to pull myself out of because it, it was like a a coat I hadn't chosen to wear. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's the way I used to look. I didn't choose to wear this. Why, why can't I get it off me? You know, but yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And um, once when people are in um, the depths of grief, um, it's really hard um, when you ask them, you know, you can't really say how you're feeling. They just go, shit. I feel mm. shit. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. And so you need something more abstract than that. And that's why the shells are really good because you go, I get you're feeling shit and the world is crushed. And, and get bringing out the shells and saying, look, you know, 
how do you identify with any of these shells that just you know that you that you know you can identify how you're feeling inside that's really helpful and again at the end we do it again and say what shells and more often than not they will choose a really rough broken shell that describes them and then when we do it again six weeks later they will find one that's more of a pebble that's softer and smoother and they will go yeah i was definitely prickly and broken and now I feel a little bit smoother than I was, not completely, but def- and that really helps them to visualise that. Mm. Yeah, tactile objects are so important for being for us being able to describe things, and I think that's what if I took one thing from the creative course and I did any anything else that, that I learned, it was that creativity is is really just another language for people to express themselves with. You know, it, it really is, and, and we we express ourselves in unspoken ways, in movement, in eye movement, in body movement, and also from our internal selves through the window of creativity. And that can be whatever it is for anybody. You know, whatever speaks to you as a as a person. But- well, I realise now that I've been doing therapy for the last twenty years because <laughs> you know, I've been a, being a songwriter mm. that. That's what I was doing. I, re- I realized that now mm. that mm. when I listen back to my songs now, I can hear the lyrics and go, oh, wow, I know exactly what that song's about. I know exactly where I was in my life. And this was my way of expressing the pain inside. Mm. I didn't know how to say it verbally. And so I would write a song lyrically and then sing it. And that was my therapy. Music was my therapy. That was my outlet. That was my way of expressing my pain and anguish. And like you said, it's it was it was my way of how I I probably stayed afloat, how I kept going because I had the music to keep, you know. I remember saying to someone once, and I, and I think my stepmom mentioned it, she said, I remember you saying, How do people cope who don't write songs? That was a bit that was like <laughs> She said, I remember you saying that years ago, going, if you're not a songwriter, Aaron, and not how do you how do you cope? You know, because I could just to me it was my way of coping. It was I, I, you know, mental health. No one talked about mental health even ten years ago. No. It was not something that people no. really talked about. No. So certainly not around was, where we grew up anyway. I mean I'm I grew up in Cameron Dursley and Barclay around that area, so not too far from where you grew up as well i think you went to one of the schools around there i saw on your linkedin yeah, yeah, Kelby. Sport, yeah. so yeah we, we probably grew up in a similar like you know small market townish kind of area or you know what i mean somewhere around about yeah. there and yeah the mental health wasn't something that was talked about in those kind of communities when when i was young you know definitely wasn't no um no my mum lives in cam now actually oh okay yeah wow fantastic yeah yeah but no it wasn't it was not something that was discussed um, and that's uh, that's why I've sort of said that comment, you know, with sincerity of like, how do people cope? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what are they doing? Is it, you know, obviously people are taking drink and drugs and, you know, what here and whatever. That was their sort of coping mechanism, their strategies. But 
Yeah, Christ, I was a I was a Houdini of an, of an escape artist in my twenties, mate. You know, and I, I think a lot of people, other people went down that same road. Road, and I looking at somebody like you who's had that that creative expression all their life. I think that's a really important question for you to ask. Is like, yeah, how the hell does everybody else cope? You know, and and you're you're literally right in in escapism or in bad behaviors in some kind of way, mostly destructive stuff, unfortunately. Um, but it is great to to be able to show other people, I think, and to model to other people that there are other ways of dealing with things other than the typical way that society would expect you to. Mm. Powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful stuff. That feels like a really lovely place to wrap up, though. I think. Um, other than you've got anything else you wanna you wanna add to that? Would you like to tell everybody where they can find Talk Club and all the rest of it? Yeah, TalkClub.org. Go to the website. You, if you want to donate, you can donate on the website. If you want to join the club, you'll find the clubs on there. The talk and listen, talk and exercise, the therapy. Um, you know, uh, you know. If you're undecided, please come and try a talking group. You know, it will. It, everybody who comes says the same thing. Oh, I wish I'd done that sooner. Oh. Oh, this talking stuff's all right, isn't it? You know, it's like, so please, you know, it's there for you. As I said, it's a prevention. It's to, to, to maintain that mental fitness. So please do come along, uh, talkclub.org. Fantastic. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have a chat off air and we'll set a date for you to come out and do some street interviews. And uh, if, you see, if you see the two of us out in the street, please do come up and talk to us because we're there to talk to you. That's what it's all about. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation, really enjoyed the chat. And it's so warm into my heart to find out that there's, there's a men's mental health charity. And actually, you know, great to, to know that you've got your, your sights set on helping everybody, men, women, children, everybody. Um, I think that's really needed and um, yeah just can't wait to see how what this grows into in the future I'll be joining forces with you to do a bit of work I'm sure so yeah fantastic thank you very much for joining me Gavin really great to chat with you thanks Rich and how are you out of 10 now out of 10 today I think I'm on about an 8 today actually yeah I'm doing well thank you very much how about yourself out of 10 I'm going to check out a 9 I, I, I came in I was an 8 and a half but it's been fantastic to talk to you um and um yeah so that's bumped me up to a nine yeah i reckon i was about a seven when i came in feeling a bit flat this morning end of my working week so i'm a bit tired and all the rest of it but yeah having had this conversation i feel a lot better isn't that great we should have done the out of 10 to start and at the end and then it would have been proper wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> great place to end chat to you soon mate take care cheers cheers